Alan and Shannon with you. Well, after the first two games, Shaquille O'Neal's prediction of a Philadelphia sweep over the Raptors looked pretty good, I'll tell you. Well, you are all over Shaquille O'Neal these days. Well, he opened his mouth. At least Sir Charles, at least Charles has has countered by (laughs) saying the Raptors will win game six. Charles is also saying that the Maple Leafs are winning their first round series. Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) When he says stuff like that, I have to wonder about Charles. But um, look, it has been a complete turnaround. It wasn't immediate, Mm -hmm. although the Raptors should be up 3-2 in the series. And this series should be on the verge of being over with Philadelphia holding almost no hope. Now, as long as they've won three, you can't discount them. And if the Raptors shoot as badly in game six as they did in game five, who knows? But um, the mere fact that there is a game six is a, a surprise to a lot of people, and at least in part to me too. Uh, Matt Devlin the play-by-play voice of uh, the Raptors on television who needs no introduction will join us and we'll talk about all these things, all the subtleties of what has gone on in this series and what direction do we go next? We'll address all that when we continue after these messages. Well, as has been noted on a few occasions on this program, maybe more than a few, uh, Shaquille O'Neal predicted Philadelphia would sweep the Toronto Raptors. Now, he did, I must confess, withdraw from that prediction a a day or two later. But nonetheless, he said it. And uh, that is not happening. And now I see that um, um, the prediction is that it'll go seven. And uh, in the seventh game, you you can't predict. Well, you, gonna, had, you, you had the Sixers winning uh, game, f- uh, game five, Bob. I did not. No, I did not. I did not. I did not. Because I, I had the Raptors winning game five. Well, that's why you think ah. I had the Sixers is because, you know, you are only interested in yourself and don't listen to anybody else. What? Exactly. In fact, I think the Raptors are winning the series. Well, it's starting to look like that. Uh, Matt Devlin, the voice of the Raptors on television, joins us to chat a little bit about it. What is really intriguing to me, Devlin, out of this whole thing is the progression the Raptors have made throughout this series. They got their doors kicked in in game one, like just blown right off the court. It wasn't a lot better in game two, but they were more competitive. They did have the lead, if I remember, in game two at the end of one quarter. Then came back and had the lead through most of game three, but losing overtime. Win game four, not overly comfortably, but um, sound victory. And then control game five. It raises the question. Well, it raises a bunch of questions for me. What's, what have they done differently? Is that this is something more than just shooting better? Because they still haven't shot very well in this no, whole series. Haven't. No, they haven't. And um, it's mostly been at the defensive end. How do you explain it? Well, I think there's a multitude of things here. I think, number one, going into game one, there were no surprises for Philadelphia. And Doc Rivers said that they had a five-day training camp, which, as we all know, they didn't have that time when they added James Harden, who played 21 games. I think game one was the best 
that Philadelphia could play. They put up 131 points. As we know, they shot lights out. They got to the line 34 times. And they out-rebounded the Raptors by everything. Every statistical category, they they were dominant in it. Offensive rebounding, um, everything. Turnover. They only turned it over four times. I mean, it's amazing the first to get to what you're speaking to defensively. Their first turnover in game one was their 80th possession of the game. Hmm. Last night, they had Hmm. six turnovers in the first 19 possessions of the game. And so I think the one thing, the one noticeable thing that they've done defensively, because what they've done to Embiid has essentially remained the same, multiple bodies coming at length, right? We know how long this team is. And every time now, whether he's in the middle of the floor, typically, you know, middle of the floor, that's where you want to get somebody the ball, right? Makes it hard to double. Well, he's getting doubled every which way. I think the biggest thing is, is that they're going more single coverage on Harden. And that allows them to then stay on Tyrese Maxey, who had a field day in game one, 38 points, Tobias Harris, right? And so now they're playing James Harden, not necessarily as a scorer. Okay, he's a facilitator, and that's okay. And I think that that's allowed them to have better rotations out on uh, the other players uh, that, yeah, every now and again, uh, Harden may see, you know, a double. But what we've noticed um, over the last few games is that it's a lot more single coverage on him. And, and, and then let's not forget, you bring back two really good defenders. Wait a minute, Scotty Barnes. Okay. Well, let's not forget about Gary Trent Jr., who Mm -hmm. was ill in game one and game two. And we know he's a really strong defender. And then you bring back Scotty Barnes, who, as we know, and I've said it often, the thing that to me solidified his rookie of the year was second night of a back-to-back in Denver in the fourth quarter, holding Jokic to no points, no points. And the Raptors ending up winning that game. Um, So never one thing, but you have these four or five things that have happened um, that we're now starting to see. The Raptors really frustrate Joel Embiid, um, Doc Rivers, and quite honestly, all, all the Sixers and certainly their fans who got up and left at the 352 mark last night. <laughs> well, so the, the, Harden, I, I just want to throw this in here because you mentioned Harden. The other thing I want to point out, and I think everybody who's watched the games is aware of this, and I know you are. The Raptors are deliberately allowing Harden to drive to the right and preventing him from going left. And they're perfectly willing to let him go right because that's his weak side. He wants to go left, but they've also Harden seems passive in this. He's not aggressive with his shot. And even Embiid, I think after last night's game criticized Harden says, we got to get more from him. We got to get, he's got to shoot more. So I think there's been, I I don't think that's, that's so much a change. I think they were, everybody is deliberately tries to make Harden go right, not left, but 
the single the, coverage is. Yeah, the single the coverage, coverage is. The single coverage is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not sending multiple bodies his way, that that has changed. Yeah, they've done it a couple of times, but they're not doing it as much. Look, Harden, yeah, he was passive. He's a facilitator, and I think maybe that's who he is at 32 years of age in his 13th year. Um, he's not the dominant scorer uh, that we know. Um, Joel Embiid, everybody can talk about the right thumb. Well, you know, Raptors have a multitude of those sort of issues as well. And the reality of it is for Joel Embiid, he's got to be more forceful and aggressive. He hung out at the three-point line quite a bit last night. And he wasn't getting, they finally got him down in deep post position, where, as you know, you get him in deep post position, you, you just you just can't stop him. They did a better job of keeping him off the line. And in fact, through the first two games in this series, you know, Philadelphia with the whistle went to the line 64 times. Over the last three games, they've gone to the line 65 times. And it's a dramatic difference here. Oh, yeah. Right. And so, I mean, again, it's never one thing. It's a multitude. Of, of course. Things. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, those are the things that, you know, when you, you think about, you know, the Raptors and, and why they're now all of a sudden scaring, um, you know, Philadelphia, I think, I think defensively, that's it, all that length out there. Well, I mean, if, points in the paint last night too, Matt, when you, when you can shut down and beat a little bit, I mean, the Raptors won the points in the paint battle quite significantly last night so that to me tells you that it's a it's the classic team game beating the individual success of one player correct well they, they three of the last or three of the four games or five games i should say pardon me three of the five games they have won that now last night was dramatic um yeah. and a lot of that was based upon the ability to turn over Philadelphia get out on the run, get support, get the points right, the fast break points. I thought that they really did a great job dictating tempo and pace. You know, OG the back cuts, Chris ba- uh, uh, Boucher the back cuts, Siak um, and getting into the paint, uh, what he was able to do. Um, and so, to me, you know, that was certainly significant. I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, Danny Green was, you know, having a good night from three. Um, he wasn't used all that much in the second half. Um, and this was a team that in the first two games of this series made 33s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And since that time, they've made 36 again. So, you know, the first two games of this series, everything that w- they were putting up there was going down. Raptors, they've only made 16 threes the last two games. I mean, they have not right. shot it well. So, you know, John, to getting back to your point about getting inside, you know, the Raptors, okay, hey, that shot's not going. We got to do something else. We got to get into the inside. We got to generate some things here, not only off of the turnovers and out on the run and getting out on the break, uh, but then also, you know, just some great back cuts and reads, Thaddeus Young, uh, just really impressive stuff. I was I, I I was amazed. I thought they would, and this is not a negative. I think this is just stating a fact. I thought they would miss Fred more. They really didn't miss Fred last night, did they? Well, well from a matchup standpoint, uh, you know the length that the Raptors have against Philadelphia, 
when Fred isn't there is impressive. Now, what do you miss with Fred? You, you miss um, his three-point shooting 100%. Um, you miss that for sure. And, and then here's the other thing. You know, Fred's not 100%. We knew that going into the series with the knee. Mm-hmm. And from a defensive standpoint, um, I thought it was interesting the first call of the game in game one where eight seconds in, he gets the whistle. And then the second foul that he earned was 50 seconds later. And so it's like, okay, if you're not going to allow Fred Van Vliet, who's one of the best, he should be all D, one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA, if you're not going to allow him to do that, well, that's that's going to be mm-hmm. tough. And so you, what do you miss from Fred? You do miss that, you know, and then on-ball, and then you miss a three. But as we know, with him not being 100%, that was affecting him defensively. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw something out here that I know you'll, you'll shake your head at. But if Fred Van Vliet was ready for game five, uh, or game, game six now, sorry, um, I'm not sure how much time I'd give him if I was the coach. I think this this group of six eight guys that they threw out against them last night deserves a chance to do it again. <laughs> and um, I know I know he's going to play. In fact, if he's healthy enough, he'll start, sure. and he'll he'll get thirty eight forty minutes if he's capable of of producing that. But I'm not sure that's the right strategy. Well, if it wasn't if it wasn't an elimination game, Bob, I'd agree with you. Yeah. If it wasn't an elimination game, I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah, but Fred's come out and said, you know, as 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 we know, you know, Fred's come out and said, you know, look, I'm I'm not going to be able to get back into this series, you know, based upon the the hip flexor strain. So, you know, it's one of those things where okay, get healthy, and if the Raptors can win two, now all of a sudden you have Miami, and we know that's a matchup that you know, he'll be prepared for in, in Kyle Lowry. So it's a totally different scenario though. Completely you know? different scenario. But you know, the most important thing for Fred is, you know, he's you're not going to be hundred percent, but get as close as you can to that. So mm-hmm. that when and if you do uh move past Philadelphia, that you're ready for the second round. Again, that's if and when and when and if. But um I, I will say that Again, you when he's healthy, his defense, you know, is extraordinary, and his three point shooting is as well. Uh, the length, though, that the Raptors have um, against Philadelphia right now is causing them problems. It's going to be interesting to see now what Doc Rivers does, right? Because in the first half, this was a situation where uh, the fans were already on Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. And and then with 352 remaining in, in the game, I mean, it was a just beeline to the exits. I mean, they were just like, we're out of here. And it was a 12-point game with 352 to go. And that's certainly enough time. But they had, you know what, they had zero belief that that could be a possibility. So uh, the pressure is on them. Squarely, and but this is not a mental, shooting. Not a at that point, they're shooting a mental thing now with Philly. It's a mental thing. 
Raptors. I was going to say that, 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 that shooting in the th- fourth quarter that the Philly was, they were awful. Awful. I mean, Danny was awful. Uh, I mean, Maxi, you know, to the point where this, I know you talked about how Maxi was so good in those first two games in Philly. How, where, what has changed for him other than the defensive presence that the Raptors have put all over him? Right. Well, that's been the change. <laughs> and, and, because, you know, look at there's shots out there last night that they just flat out missed. Yeah. But but the reality as did the Raptors. But the reality of that situation um, is that you know he's now because of what he's done on the scouting report of okay hey we're going to single cover this guy and we're going to have to keep you know pay attention to you know that player there again. It's to me, this is not a physical thing with with Philadelphia. This is now you're getting into the mental aspect of it. And this is something that, as we know, you know, is it's it, it's lingered in Philly. Right. And it's lingered with Doc, unfortunately, who's fourth all time in playoff career wins that, you know, they've been in these situations before and they haven't been able to close it out. You lose a game four on the road and you come back game five what what did you think right that this was going to be one of those where is this going to happen the only lead they had it was two nothing yeah and so you know the raptors you know how resilient they are and you think of the response that pascal siakam has had in comparison to joel Embiid. And it's one of these interesting things with this group in Philadelphia where, and and you know what, they're not the only team, but certainly over the last two games, you can see it where, and and we know this with the Raptors, when stuff doesn't go their way, you know, yeah, you can talk about the refs and everything and, and both teams have in this series, but they dig down, get solutions and their effort level goes from here to here, right? That's a hundred percent true. We have not seen that with Philadelphia. It is not when it's going their way, it is all good. And as soon as there's a bump in the road, it is amazing to see their inability to handle the moments. Well, and, and, and I think Embiid is, is typical, stereotypical of that. Um, he was all bravado in game one, a little bit less so in game two. But last night, he, quite frankly, looked tired out there. He did. He was. Yep. And spent a lot of time hanging around the three-point line. Didn't really want to work underneath the basket. I don't know whether the, you know, I can't explain it. I don't, I'm not even going to ask you to explain it. I don't think you can, but I'm sure the thumb is bothering him a little bit, although he's not showing it overtly. But, you know, I hate to say a guy quit. But it sure looked like he was not giving anywhere near 100% effort. Your thoughts on that? Well, I'll just say this, that I think that when you look at Joel Embiid, game one, it all went his way. The calls went his way. Everything went his way. Game two, very much the same. Game three, he made an unbelievable shot. And I think that he just thought, you know, our time is now. And not really recognizing that in, you know, game three, that, you know, that's a couple of missed free throws away from being a loss. And now all of a sudden the series would be the other way, three, two Toronto Raptors. Right. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, you, you would think based upon playoff failures past that you would be beyond those notions of the, you know, of, of kind of riding this thing out very much like Pascal Siakam, who, you know, kind of took on all the criticism of game three when um, maybe he wasn't aggressive enough and, and maybe he was more of a facilitator. But, you know, the great thing about Pascal, you know, he, every time he sees a hurdle, it may take him a little bit to get beyond it, but he does move beyond it, right? He recognizes it, acknowledges it and says, okay. And what does he do? The next game comes out career best 34 points. Then last night at 20 and 10 double, double performance. That was when the offense, I'll get back to Joel here in a minute, because these aren't the things that you're seeing from Joel, Bob and, and, and John, there was a couple of moments last night where in second half, where Philadelphia cut it to nine, and mm-hmm. things were sputtering offensively, right? And we saw that. He kind of turned, you know, precious just a little bit too much. And it was like, okay, give the ball to Pascal. Two trips down in a row in these same situations. What did he do? Came down, got to his spot, nails a two. Comes down, boom, gets no hesitation. Three-pointer, pulls up, bam, nails it. Yeah. And then those two <laughs> shots right there, I was like, yeah. Like, okay, that's big time stuff. We didn't see that from Harden. We didn't see it from Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid looked tired. He looked a little disinterested. It was odd. It was It was odd. Yeah. You know, it, it was as if he thought that because of what he said after game 4 getting fined 15,000 that he was all of a sudden now going to get calls, right? Mm. Then mm. okay. Going into last night, it was the first time since early November that he had consecutive games where he didn't get to the line 10 or more times. Well, now this is three games in a row where the Raptors have not allowed him to get to where he gets. Right. Nearly 12 times a game. That is huge. That is huge. So it's just going to be very interesting to see how Philly responds knowing that the Raptors feel they got Philly. Meanwhile, they were down 3-0. The Raptors feel that they got Philly on the on, on the ropes right now. Agreed. You can Coming see it. Your barn. You can like see it. Yeah. You could feel it in the building last night. Yeah. Here, here's the interesting thing. You, you talk about Embiid. To me, uh, there's a and we, we we've talked a lot over the 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 balance of the season about you know, there's not much bent strength for the Raptors. There's, you know, they, they play their, their starting five too many times. But I'll tell you what, and he didn't play very much. He played about 12 minutes. But Kim Birch started that game physical. Thaddeus Young did things that he needed to do. That's, in my opinion, that secondary group of guys, and you can put a Chua in there, although, I mean, he, he, he played, he played a, lot, a lot more than them. Young and Birch, to me, were real difference makers for the amount of time they were on the court, particularly against Embiid. Uh, I don't disagree. It, you know, as you're saying that, it's, it's what you want to see from a team at this stage of the year. Yeah. Everybody knows their job. Right. Everybody knows yep. it. They accept it. Thaddeus yeah. Young knows it cool. and accepts it. And, and it's really interesting. I sat down and talked to, 
you know, Thad Young and uh, before the series. And he talked about how, you know, kind of coming in going, yeah, okay, this is some different stuff here. Right. But, and all of a sudden you goes, you're here for a little bit. You go, man, it all makes sense as you know, he goes, man, you know, like just what we're doing and how we're going about it. And, and then I, I go back to, cause it, it relates to, for me to precious Achua and Chris Boucher, cause we've seen their growth in the amount of time. And, and, and this was, um, during the five days in between, you know, during the playing tournament where the Raptors had a practice and I was there, um, you know, for media availability and you go in the gym and, and there are players doing all their extra work and it's all game situation stuff. It's precious doing transition threes, you know, and all, I mean, like their development program is elite. It's absolutely elite. And then the other interesting thing in talking to Fred Van Vliet, and he said, you know, it's interesting, you know, cause Nick, really doesn't define your role for you, right? Here are the expectations. The compete level have to be there. Knowing the defense has to be there. Knowing uh, the offense, all those sort of things. These are the things, but then, you know, it takes time for players to understand where they fit and they ultimately come to it, right? And I think we've seen that with Precious and we've seen that with Chris Boucher. And it's part of why the Raptors have been extremely successful. The, over the last 11 games, Philly's lost only three times. All three to Toronto. Right. Yep. Um, and with a little luck, a couple more at hand. Um Matt Devlin is with us. We'll uh, continue our conversation as the Raptors uh, beat Philadelphia last night and uh, they moved to game six at home and one win away from uh, sending it back to Philly and two wins away from doing something that nobody in the history of the NBA has done. Um, we'll uh, chat more about it when the program continues after these messages. McCowan and Shannon and uh, Matt Devlin, the voice of the Raptors, is uh, with us. Uh, lots of places to go here, but um, and I know you didn't fly home with the team last night. Uh, they won't let you on the charter. Um, I'm not surprised at that, but uh, we won't expose all the reasons why. But uh, So you probably don't know the answer to this question, but Barnes looked a little gimpy at the end of the game last night. Any idea as to how he feels? I don't. Um, I know Nick acknowledged it in the uh, post-game presser, um, but no. And 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 here's you know knowing the training staff, knowing how good they are, knowing that you have two days again here, forty-eight hours before Thursday's game. I, I can't imagine that uh, we won't see him out there. Um, he's he's been a difference maker. There's no question about it. Matt, any idea, any thought on who the uh, which team takes better advantage of the extra day off? Well, I, I think it's going to be Toronto, just based upon the fact that um, you have somebody like Scotty, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, torn ligament in a right thumb for a player like Joel Embiid is is what it is, right? And 
I, I, I also think as we know, um, you know, the reality of it is in Philadelphia, you know, Philadelphia talk show radio, you guys <laughs> know Philadelphia fans, and this allows for all that angst to kind of just linger and ghosts of years past to kind of just hang around in Philadelphia. That's not a good thing. I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you know, I think you would have loved to have been on a plane today, headed to Toronto to play tomorrow, to hurry up and get back in it. An extra day under those situations, I just don't think it helps. Well, Matty D, I want, well, let's do this. You play uh, Doc Rivers. You know, you know, the Raptors have figured out something uh, and figured out it, and they know how to play this team and they might get a little better at it, but at the very least, they have to feel like if we do what we're capable of doing, we're going to beat this team. If you're Philly, what do you change? How do you turn this train around? Because as you said before, they were one twenty-three foot shot away from winning three in a row already. This, this may sound simplistic. This to me is not about Tobias Harris and, you know, Thibault won't come up as we know. It's not about Danny Green and it's not even about James Harden. And I know Joel, you know, mentioned, you know, that, that he needs to be more aggressive with his shot. I mean, you know, James Harden over the last five games of the breakthrough season didn't even average 16 points a game. You know, this is a conversation, Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, that's Joel, you are an MVP finalist. You are one of the most dominant players in the game. And while, yes, your numbers, you know, another double-double last night, we need a 40-point effort out of you. That's ultimately, I think, how they come into a Raptor building that we all know the fans are going to be just incredible. The presence is going to be felt. Um, They need, and when I say 40 points, it may not be 40 points, but it's the mentality. Mm -hmm. And I, and I just haven't seen that over the last couple of games for whatever reason, maybe his thumb is bothering him that bad. But as we know, you know, there's been many players in the history of the game that have played. I mean, you know, OG Ananobi right now is playing with a fractured finger, right? Um, so um, I think it's just that mentality. I think that's the change, right? Because you're, you're thinking about this team that won last night that limited Philadelphia to 88 points. So defensively, they were outstanding. And the Raptors did a great job controlling pace of play. And so... You know, they didn't give up a ton of points either. Um, but it's about, Joel, we need you to get to your spot. We need you to run the floor. We need you to be engaged early. We need you to get to the free throw line. And you got to come in here like you are the most dominant player in the game, whether he is or isn't. You know, we can all talk about that. But that's kind of that mentality that I think that he has. That, to me, is the biggest change because um, – Yes, you can handle the ball better, not turn it over as much. Yes, you can do all those sort of different things. Um, but again, I just think it's it's a mentality thing right now with Philadelphia. I, you know, the, 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 yeah, it does. 
to me, though, I, the frustration after the game with saying that James Harden needs to shoot more, we've all, we've all looked at Harden and said, can they get along because Harden wants the ball too much? Right, but now he's <laughs> just... That- yeah, but now he's just a facilitator, right? More sure. than he is a shooter. And, and you know, he's in his 13th year. He's 32 years of age. And, you know, can he get you 20? Of course he can, you know. Um, can they kind of operate a two-man game and whatever? Yeah, they can. Raptors have done a great job, you know, on Joel. I mean, when I say mentality, I mean, you know, look at every time he turns – there are three Raptors on them, not just two, but sometimes there's three. And so if you get that ball three feet or further from the bucket, your life is not going to be easy. How is it easy? Easier you got to get. And, and anybody that's listened to me over the last 10 years, the value of the three and all that stuff, I trust me, I believe in it. But for Joel Embiid, with the amount of bodies he sees he's got to be at the rim catching laying it in dunking it right because at that point with three bodies you know somebody's going to come into foul he'll get to the line um he does the raptors a ton of favors when he's sitting out there on the perimeter he just really does and the raptors have totally figured out him in the middle of the floor which they had success with that early in the, in the series. Well, yeah. You know, today we all know today in the NBA, the, the centers, the big men almost exclusively have to be able to play on the, on the outside, have to be able to shoot the three, at least occasionally have to be able to control the basketball, move the ball around from the outside and then go inside when it's appropriate. There's no, I don't think there's a center in the NBA that's more of a back-to-the-basket, traditional, dominant big guy under the basket than Embiid. And if he, first of all, doesn't go there, God love him. Let him stay out on the, on the perimeter. And if he does go under there, he knows he's going to be surrounded by two or three guys, as you said, <clears throat> who are all big enough to make yeah. it difficult for him. Yeah, but then, but then he's then he's got to kick it out, and those guys have to make the threes, and that's. Yeah. I mean, their shoot, their shooting was diabolically awful the second half last night. It was, they, but but look at so was look at the Raptors, the Raptors were much Raptors better. Were horrific. Look at look at the Raptors. The last two games, I said this earlier, have made a combined sixteen. Yeah, yeah, threes. but their but their their field goal their field goal percentage last night was over fifty percent. Matt, anything in the paint, they were they, yeah. it was going in. It yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, you know that's the difference. Yeah, well, they do it different from almost any other team. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Achua and his development. Um, you know, from time to time during the year, we are either impressed or otherwise with various players, especially young players. Uh, Guys like Boucher has great nights. Um, We believe he has limitations, or the coaching staff at least believes he has limitations, but he can provide incentive from night to night. Uh, Achua, I think, really has, has produced an upward trend. His game legitimately is getting better day to day. Would you agree with that? It is. Um, there are moments um, where he, he has brain cramps. 
yeah, with well, just try to do a little bit too much, but that's understandable. Again, given you know your your game is expanding and growing, and you took all of one three pointer last year, and and Miami played you just in this energy role, and now you come here, and and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I get to do all of this, and and but yet it takes some time to figure all that out. And the Raptors again, the Jimmy San, um, the development staff. Uh, are tremendous. The programs they put in place. If you come to a Raptor game early, you'll see multiple coaches with players sitting there going, breaking down film, just individual film with each one of the players uh, talking about what they need to do um, in order, you know, to improve. It, it, it is impressive to watch. I, I've been around professional sports for a long time and, and so have both of you. And you know that sometimes organizations just view a player, well, that player is who he is, mm -hmm. right? The Raptors, the Raptors look at players, they look at their possibilities, and then they put together a program and they say, okay, here you go. And then it's up to that player to either reach that or not reach it, right? And that, but that's sure. all you want from a player perspective. It is without, I think, across the board, one of the most impressive parts of the Toronto Raptors. And I'm not going to just say, hey, their development is the best in the NBA. Let's start talking about other professional sports mm -hmm. teams that do what they do yeah. on a year in and year out basis. By the way, they have some players that haven't been in the pro, haven't been in the rotation this year, or not even on the playoff roster that you may hear from in a year or two. Right? You know, they're they're just, you know, knowing to get Scotty Barnes, right? Their scouting staff, <laughs> Pascal Siakam, scouting staff, and then Masai and Bobby saying, yeah, those are the guys that we want. Fred Van. Well, even, I was going to say even Gary Fred. Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. is 23 years of age. Yeah. And and he, you know, like he said, in Portland, because of who he played with, you know, run to the corners, wait, and yeah. boom. <laughs> and the best, you know, thing was what he said about, you know, met with Nick and, you know, Nick's like, hey, look, at last year's last year. We're in Tampa. You got to shoot whenever you want. That's fine. You know, hey, look, you can do all that stuff offensively. You know, you're because he can go get a shot, right? He can get whatever he wants offensively. And he goes, Yeah, I want you to do that. But by the way, defensively, this is what we want you to do. Right. And he was like, You want me to do all of that plus go down the other end and score? <laughs> and, and Nick's like, Yeah. And he goes, Okay. And here's the great thing about Gary Trent Jr. You know what he's saying? I'm getting all I've ever asked for. Right. Gives you goosebumps. Like, yeah. You know, right. <laughs> like think about you're a player. The organization is saying, yeah, you go get all that, but we want you to do this over here. And then the player's like, yeah, you know, that's everything I've ever, you know, so, you know, again, I, I, I get to view it from, you know, really 30,000 feet, right? Because, you know, you're not in there on a day-to-day, -day. certainly over the last two years, you aren't, but you are around it enough and, and you are able to see it. And it is as impressive 
um, as any situation that I've seen. The other big thing in all of this is that they allow you to make mistakes along the way. Hmm. Wow. That's the mad professor, right? Yeah. And, and, and I remember this is years ago now, you know, when uh, Nick Nurse's first year, you know, in the first month, four years ago, feels like long. And Pascal was bringing the ball up the front, uh, up the court. And, and he was turning the ball over a ton and, and we were out on the road and, and Nick and I ran in, into each other and just, um, you know, went and grabbed a coffee and ended up, it was a legitimate off day after a back to back. And we sat there and just started talking hoops for hours. It was, you know, just a great um, morning spent. And I was talking about Pascal and asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, we're, I'm, you know, I'm living with all those mistakes right now because we believe with our development program and we believe with his skill set that three months from now, four months from now, five months from now, right. He's going to be, you know, at a different level. And, and sure enough, it was in the play that I think put the icing kind of on it. The cake was a play call against Phoenix to win it. And it was in February, late January, early February, I want to say, and uh, Pascal off the bounce, boom, they won it. And then his confidence just shot through the roof. So, um, and then, hey, there are players that come in here and it doesn't work out for them and it's not the best fit and all those things. And that's all well and good. But boy, it is impressive watching it all. It goes back to what you were just talking about with Precious Achua. Um, hey, he, you know, Credit, give credit to him. Yeah. You know, he's guarding multiple. He's guarding Embiid. Look at the numbers that he's putting, you know, you know, limiting, you know, Embiid to while he's guarding them. That's the central thing in all of this is that in order to play, you got to compete defensively. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you both have seen this at all levels of sports, but. I mean, as much as Nick Nurse is an offensive guy and came in as an offensive guru, you have to compete defense. Number one, you have to compete. But number two, you have to play defense. And he holds a standard there. Yep. Um, it's impressive. Hey, I got I to gotta ask you one quick question before we go. Is uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are 2-2 with Phoenix. Hmm. And, and Valanciunas has been a monster. Hmm. Doesn't it, 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 I mean, I just have a soft spot for Valentinus. You must we too. All and, do, I think. Must, must be thrilled that he's getting a chance to play at this level and perform in the playoffs, aren't you? I am. He, he is, uh, holds a special uh, spot for me. He's one of the great Raptors as far as a person, right? He's just yeah. a wonderful person. Always a joy to be around. Um, and a fierce competitor when he's on the court. And he's in a really good situation right now where uh, he's able to really be a dominant force. You mentioned earlier, Bob, about, you know, Joel Embiid back to the basket and stuff. JB's got that, right? 
<laughs> you know, JV is his game. He's still young. It continues to grow. You think about where it was when it was here. And yes, every now and again, he can step outside and shoot the three. And that was something that he worked on here with Nick Nurse uh, years ago. Uh, Devin Booker not in that series um, is, is, you know, we see now how much that's affected Phoenix. And when the Raptors saw Phoenix in Phoenix and, and, and I was there, this is right when I was coming back from, from COVID, it was interesting. You know, Phoenix was one of those teams where if you got into them as the Raptors did, all of a sudden they're kind of like, well, wait a minute, you know, we're the Western conference champs. Like, you, you know, don't you know who you're playing? And they had a little bit of that. And, and so it's interesting. New Orleans is approaching them with no fear. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's why it's now two, two. Yeah. Well, um, the Booker absence is, um, is obviously and, and Brandon Ingram. I, 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 but I'm just, I'm just happy for the person. I'm happy for JV. Are you kidding that, me? That to me. J, JV, I, I cannot be, I'm, I'm so happy for him. He, he is just, I, you know, love seeing him. Game six ahead. I suspect this, we are now in the, it seems like everything is related to gambling. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm back in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm going to guess the Raptors are going to be favored for game six. And um, if they play the way they have, um, they can knock this Philadelphia team off in game six. And if you get to a game seven, we know where all the pressure is. And it'll be really interesting to see. And I, I there's one guy I think, I, I don't think we, anybody doubts it. it um, Embiid is the guy who stirs the drink for Philadelphia. He's the guy who makes yeah. the difference. And I think he is suspect right now. I think mentally he is suspect. It'll be very intriguing to see whether he can come up with a good performance in game six. Um, but there's a chance we could see history. We could see a team down 0-3 that comes back and wins four straight. Um, Mr. Devlin, we always enjoy your company. We thank, uh, you. thank you very much for your appearance. And uh, we um, safe travels on the Rogers or or TSN jet uh, back and forth to Philadelphia. Air Canada plug. Air Canada. <laughs> they, uh, they always treat you well, Manny. Yeah, uh, Seat 17E. Perfect. <laughs> better than 37E. Seat, seat. Yeah, it's it's called seat, seat number last row. Yeah, well, that's 37, I think. Uh, thank you, pal. We'll talk to you soon, I hope. You got it. All the best. Matt Devlin. We'll come back with more after this message. McCown and Shannon back with you. And uh, thanks, of course, to Matt Devlin for uh, joining us on the uh, program. Um, a bunch of other things going on. Mm. The Las Vegas Golden Knights play Dallas next. Tonight. And, yeah. Tuesday and, night. Tuesday night. Yeah. And if they lose... They're out. They are. They're out. And, and the, if and they the, win, the sixteen, the sixteen teams are set. Yeah, yeah, ba- barely. Yes, they're still alive. But uh, uh, it's going to be fascinating to to see what happens uh, to well, a team that a lot of people had expected to. We're going to be in the the final four of the of the National Hockey League in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, and when you look at all the injuries that they went through, and that was a, it was pretty substantial. Everybody would have to admit. <clears throat> Do you? Do you forgive them? 
this kind of swan song season where there was great expectation. They made moves that, you know, should have made them better. The Eichel deal should have made them better. Um, or do you, you look at it as an evolution? You know, they better make changes for next year. I mean, who are they? And I, I, that, that's a really good question. Um, but, but, you know, when you, when, you know, we've talked for the last two or three years about the Maple Leafs having, you know, all this money spent on four players. Vegas is in a similar scenario. Yes, when you think are. of Eichel, Stone, Pacioretty, Petrangelo. Uh, very similar scenario, Petrangelo being a defenseman, but they have they have decided to go top heavy on the top four or five players on their team, yep. and then and fill fill the back end. And they both are, they both now have issues um, with goaltending because they have they have elected to change who their goaltenders are. are. And and now, I mean, right now the goalie of record for the Vegas Golden Knights is a guy named Logan Thompson. And Logan Thompson played in Brandon for Kelly McCrimmon's junior team. He went to Brock University. He worked his way up from the East Coast League to the American League. And now he's, he's their goalie because Robin well, Leonard's hurt. Well, and, and if I remember correctly, I made the pronouncement based on somebody else's report that Leonard was going to have to have surgery and he would be gone. Now, it turned out that that was not inaccurate. It was just delayed by about four or five days because it Leonard's not, done it. It, it would not surprise me that if Vegas loses Tuesday night against Dallas, we hear tomorrow that Robin Leonard is going for surgery. It would not surprise me. Well, he needs surgery. He's going to have he it at some point. The question is he when. Does. That's correct. Um, in our last couple of minutes, we, we should acknowledge the performance of the Toronto Blue Jays last night. And oh. um, yeah, Bo. Uh, sorry? Bo. Well, about time he did something, because um, he has not played well, I have to be honest, uh, with, with the bat or the glove. He has been really suspect defensively. He has made a lot of bad throws, booted a couple, um, and the bat has been silent until last night. Bases loaded. He gets up, hits an opposite field kind of floater. Didn't hit it perfectly but enough to get over the wall for a grand salami and uh, the blue Jays finally win a game that isn't by, by one run. And I, and I tell you what, Barrios, who was w close to 30 pitches in the first inning, ended up having a really, really, really impressive nice outing. Yep. Yeah. 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 Really. Uh, we'll talk about some, something tomorrow too, whatever it what? is, something we will, we will something hope, perhaps uh, for John Shannon, Bob McCown. We hope you'll be back. We hope we'll be here. Until then, see ya.